Hi and welcome to the very first episode of Live Your Own Fit Podcast. I'm Pete Jacobs. And I'm Jamie L. Jacobs. And this first episode is just getting to know what Live Your Own Fit is a little bit and getting to know ourselves a little bit better as well. So to kick it off, my name is Pete Jacobs. I am a professional triathlete, have been for about 15 years, and my highlights include runner-up in Kona Hawaii Ironman World Championship, and then the following year in 2012, I won the World Championship. <laughs> it's pretty um, hard to follow that. I'm Jamie L. Jacobs. I am an accredited um, health and nutrition coach, accredited personal trainer, uh, wife to Pete Jacobs, and a mum to two rescue dogs. <laughs> Can't forget the puppies. (laughs) So a little bit about Live Your Own Fit. Um, Basically, Live Your Own Fit is a health and performance coaching platform that we've created. It's been building the last few years over what um, especially Pete's lived and breathed um, the last five years. So we've learned a lot and we want to share that with you. Uh, So basically, we critique what needs improvement. Um, with each and every one of you. We consult and support you with your goals, whatever that may look like uh, to you. We help you find your why. Um, Anything and everything from losing weight, gaining energy and clarity, uh, lowering your health risks, so taking a proactive approach to your health. Um, Whether you want to run a 5K or race an Ironman triathlon, triathlon, we're here to, to help and consult you every bit of the way. And our key purpose is to find out what we can do for you to help you reach your goals. So we find the primary issue, um, no matter what it is, and there's a very long list that I won't go through, and then we'll just help you um, improve your health and performance to get reach that goal. So no matter who you are, whether you're 60 plus and wanting to get better energy, lower health risks, lose weights... Or whether you're, you know, in your teens, you're wanting to find freedom around your food, you're wanting to feel better about your body, increase your body composition with a positive outlook, um, we're here to help you every bit of the way. And of course, if you're a triathlete of any <laughs> level, then that would be uh, great for us. We'd be re- very happy with that. And we are um, passionate about creating positive change in anybody's health and performance. That's what we're passionate about. And this podcast is going to be answering your submitted questions, interviewing world-leading health practitioners, elite athletes, finding their mindset issues, um, what they did to help and their habits. Everyday non-athletes who will share their stories of improvements in health and life and my own insights into relevant topics, perhaps Kona here and there, my own health issue and uh, the current journey I'm on and still going on and possibly some hot topics of the current uh, day. And then I'll be adding a female perspective on, you know, female issues, um, whether that's, you know, working full time, uh, speaking to mums, how they keep um, fit and healthy, giving you food tips and tricks, um, some nutritional info that we're all after, recipes, and then also some practical movement routines. And we will be referring to Phil Maffetone a lot. Um, We believe he's a world leader for the past few decades in deciphering the complex health and fitness puzzle that is the human body. And it's a very fascinating one. And uh, I suggest for starters that you do go and search for podcasts with his name, with Phil Maffetone's name to get a bit of a crash course in what Phil Maffetone's all about. He's written about 20 health and fitness books. And he's been helping me in my health journey and, uh, and my training as well over the last 12 months. 
And uh, it's just fascinating getting to really delve into what primary issues can exist that cause all the downstream ones and uh, looking at health in the in the big picture, which is another thing we want to try and pass on to um, help people look at their health in the big picture. And we'll be doing that through this pod, this very podcast, uh, through our online platform and through our Live Your Own Fit Health and Performance Pillars, being health, intentions, nutrition, MAF, which is maximum aerobic function and recovery and self-care. All right. Now that the boring stuff's out of the way, let's get to <laughs> know each other a little bit better. Let's go with your go-to, a quick, simple favourite meal. My quick uh, favourite meal would be basically just cabbage and eggs in the frying pan. It's my own Japanese pancake. I did already know that one since it's <laughs> a frequent uh, appearance in our kitchen. <laughs> and what would be your quick go-to meal, Pete? My quick go-to meal uh, is coconut cream with raw cacao and avocado if I blend it up or um, also blueberries if I blend it up and some cinnamon and some coconut flakes as well. So it's a bit of a, if you put it back in the fridge, it then solidifies a bit, becomes a nice chocolatey mousse. And so that's at the moment this week, I've made that about every day I've made that. (laughs) <laughs> I know, which I love because then I have it. <laughs> so it's a really great low sugary um, but tasty moussey thing if you like that kind of texture. And mousse has always been my favorite sort of texture and taste. But now that I don't have sugar and I don't have chocolate, it's it's a nice, you know, substitute. <laughs> awesome. And so- Okay, my turn, my turn. Um, something you'd like to get better at or you're interested in currently? At the moment, it's, I just want to get better at, you know, helping people with their health and performance in everyday life. I know that sounds really boring um, and non-original, but, so, but it's true. I'm finding, you know, lots of articles and books I'm reading super interesting. So any spare time or downtime at the moment, I'm listening to podcasts and I'm reading uh, books about health and performance. Okay. Yeah, you're right. That was a bit boring. <laughs> what about something that you actually do, like you're doing or you'd like to do? At the moment, I'm training pretty well for a triathlon. I'm training for Byron Bay Tri. Uh, so I'm getting up earlier before my everyday job. And then after my everyday job as well, I'm, I'm training pretty well at the moment for that. Nice. Okay. And that... <laughs> Yes, that's been good for you to have a bit of routine and have someone telling you what to do. It's, yeah, uh, being accountable to someone, well. it, it works really, really well. Pete, if you could just give us a quick snapshot uh, for people that aren't that familiar with your story, who you are, just a real quick, you know, couple of minutes and let us let us know uh, an insight into where you've been the past 15 years, how you got to the pinnacle of your sport, the Ironman Triathlon, being world champion and, and where you're at with it now. Oh goodness. Okay, um, I started when I was <laughs> no in my, pressure. Started when I was in my early twenties and became a professional triathlete, and always had since then the dream was to become Ironman world champion. Ten years later, after some good results and some terrible results and very up and down energy and fatigue issues, I finally cracked it. And um, well, every year for four years in a row, culminating in winning, I was having top 10 placings in Kona. So I was always getting the timing right. And that was due to I was always injured or sick in the first sort of third of the year. So I would have like six weeks of nothing. And then that just seemed to work really well for me. And um, unbeknownst, it was like, you know, 
just really lucky that that helped me manage my fatigue issues having that big break and then build up just for one really great race each year so i didn't have a lot of other great races and it was um i'd like to i'd like to change that so at the moment i'm on a year off because my health issues have not improved even though last year things were getting better with some great guidance from phil maffetone i wasn't at the real primary cause of my health and hopefully i'm getting closer to that we'll find out over the next few months if some um, very basic treatment that I'm doing at the moment for my vestibular system will help and uh, help settle my sympathetic nervous system. And so all my hormones and stuff hopefully can start resettling a bit. So back to, yes, in 2012, I won Kona and it was a bit of a, um, a dress rehearsal. I'd, I'd come second the year before. So for 12 months, every day, it was like, I think I can win. I know I can win. And I believed I could win. And I did everything that I knew I could at that point in time to get there and it worked. So dress rehearsal on the day because I'd visualized it so many times in my head before that, that it was, um, yeah, just going through the motions a bit on race day. And it was one of the easiest races that I've ever done because I'd put so much effort into the previous 12 months, um, focusing on it in, in every aspect that I could. So hopefully this 12 months off, I can improve my health. I can continue learning about health and training and I can come back in 2019, which is crazy from when I started. It sounds so long. And I'm only 36. So I'm hoping that uh, at the end of this year, I'll turn 37. So when I'm 37 in 2019, hopefully things are completely different. And I hope that I can have greater performances than I've ever had because I will have much better parasympathetic nervous system responses i'll recover better my body will adapt better i'll be able to enjoy training more i won't have days of fatigue i won't have bouts of feeling depressed and everything hopefully will flow really well and that'd be really lovely if i could come back and still try and push the limits of my body and find out a little bit more about the puzzle and and i guess that's that's what I, I spend a lot of my time doing now is listening to other podcasts that are going through this huge puzzle at the moment of fat burning and ketosis and how the body works with carbs or without carbs and endurance and math method. And I've just met so many incredible practitioners over the last sort of year and year or two that I really want to take all this information and play around with it a little bit. And um, it still drives me to, to try and come back. So hopefully I can do that on in the triathlon world. And um, But otherwise, I'm taking it day by day, no plans. Just see how the body reacts to, you know, the rest and the rehab. And we'll take it from there. So it's a really long answer, but <laughs> do I answer no, the question? That was awesome. That was a great insight. For... Uh, for those that uh, may be interested, how many Ironmans do you think you've done and how many half Ironmans? Uh, it's around 35 Ironmans. Um, it's the one medal of all my races that I do keep. I don't keep the other medals and things, um, but I do keep every Ironman medal. So if I need to know for sure, I just go through my drawer and count every single finishes medal. And that'll tell me how many I've finished. And then I've probably DNF'd about uh, three or so, um, two or two or three DNFs in Hawaii and maybe one somewhere else. And I'm half Ironmans, I'm not sure. I've probably done almost as many 
Iron Man's is I have halves. It's just the way that I was uh, doing doing what I was doing. Too many, <laughs> too many of too many of uh, Iron Man's. That's for sure. But that's what happens when you can't. You're not sure about your health, and you're going up and down. You just keep trying. Maybe this next one will be good. Maybe this next one will be good because I just didn't know. Um, so it's, it was a huge relief at the end of last year when training had been going well, but the race day went terribly where I just actually went, okay, well, I'm not racing again until I get this sorted, until everything is stable enough that I know that I can come back and be more consistent and my body's more reliable than it ever has been. And so that was a big relief just to go, okay, no more of this unsuredness about what my body's doing. Mm. And so, yeah, it's um, hopefully it comes good. That sort of brings me to my next question. Who do you think's given you the, you know, that bit of gold nugget advice throughout your whole sporting career that you've taken on board and you've you've gone and ran with it? Um, definitely Phil Maffetone has in the last couple of years. And funny enough, I was doing a lot of what he suggested beforehand. I trained on my own. I would go on long rides. They were my key session. I would ride to feel, I wouldn't push too hard on the hills, I would just try and keep it steady and I'd try and keep it steady once I got over the hills and on the flats and on the downhills. And that's exactly, you know, how I would train how I would train now after speaking to Phil. And so a lot of the things that I was doing uh, align with his his methods of, you know, sticking to your pace that works for you and your effort and don't don't go out and max out every day and keep your ego in check and I definitely had learned to keep my ego in check after dealing with fatigue for for so many years um, ever since I was a teenager so those aspects of how I trained and how my mindset worked um, I was they're the key aspects of what got me to where I went and knowing though now that I've spoken to Phil and you know learnt more and more about how that all works and the the, the system going on in the body behind all the uh, theory that Phil talks about is, you know, nice to back it up and learn more about. And yes, it's, um, so yeah, those have been my key, my key thoughts and my key things, but there've been many, many influences in my career over the time. Too many to mention, Mm. too many, too many to go into. Yeah. I think that's where I'm learning just as an age group triathlete I've done um you know half Ironmans Olympic distance triathlons and one Ironman triathlon and I'm very much learning that your self-efficacy and your you know self-esteem confidence and everything that really plays a massive massive part in your mindset and what you're able to do in your training sessions as well as in preparation for your races and during those races as well um you know but hey, being that, having that quiet self-confidence in your own ability out there on race day, that's the big difference between coming first and second. Yeah, definitely. So it keeps you from switching off and starting to go slower when you, when you know that you can actually push a bit harder. Um, okay, I'll, my turn for a question of, for you. Um, what sort of sports did you play growing up and what sort of a person were you when you were younger? And how have you changed? <laughs> uh, I, uh, I did surfboat rowing for around seven to eight seasons. Uh, surfboat rowing is where you go out through the surf with three other crew members. So there's four crew members and a sweep at the back of the boat or at the front, depending on how you word it. Um, I broke my coccyx twice in the surfboat. I still consider my 
crew, my um, the, the crew members that I have, my sisters, and I'm still just as close to them now as ever. I was very much a no pain, no gain athlete. I uh, didn't think with my head much, just uh, I'd go through the brick wall. I wouldn't think to climb over a brick wall. I was basically the opposite personality to Pete when I, when I met Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. You, well, you haven't changed really, have you? <laughs> I think I have now. I think, uh, I think a lot um, more about, you know, rest, uh, recovery, self-care is just as important as those intense training sessions, uh, which I definitely didn't have the mindset for before. Um, didn't have that ability to, to plan and to see it through. And that's sort of a big part of Live Your Own Fit and how you've worked with clients um, previously is that you get them to appreciate their own self-worth, that they become uh, the caretakers of their own health and they put it as a priority and that seems to be the key that you've gotten through to people that makes them actually change their lifestyle and their diet. and. So you, do you feel that you've got that in spades or do you feel like you go up and down, in and out of that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I definitely go in and out of it a little bit depending on what my goal is and how much, how my health's going, if I've given up on it for a while or if I'm motivated that it's improving. And so how do you get people to believe in their own health is a priority to put it ahead of all the other little small stuff? I think it's definitely the same as, you know, when you get on a, a plane and you have the stewardess or, uh, standing there in front of you talking about putting on your life jacket first so then before you then help your child or loved one to put on their, uh, not life jacket, sorry, the mask. Um, and it's very much like that. If you're not performing to the best of your potential with clarity and consistent energy throughout the day and and there's a lot of steps, you know, involved in getting there, then you're not going to be in the best form you can to be the role model you want to be and to have, you know, a positive energy around your loved ones. So you're no good to anyone unless you're putting yourself first. And I know that's really hard to do. I'm not a mum yet. <laughs> I don't know, you know, what uh, what mums struggle with and, and dads as well. Um, I dealt with a lot of guilt uh, since we moved up to Noosa around six years ago now. I felt very, very guilty. I left my full-time job. I was working 11-day fortnights in Sydney. Uh, living up in Noosa, I was actually quite miserable. Pete was coming first, which is which was fair enough. Um, but I also felt guilt, so I couldn't actually enjoy any any aspect of my life in Noosa. And that was just myself doing that very much to myself. I was in a, a weird headspace. So now I, I understand what depression is. I understand when people aren't ticking the boxes they want to tick and the way they want to tick them, it can have a really detrimental effect on them and your confidence goes out the window um, and you feel like you're just, you, you're just in a weird headspace and you're no good to anyone. So, yeah, that's uh, working with a range of clients, um, pre-menopausal, post-menopausal. Uh, it's, yeah, it's really interesting to see building up that self-worth is one of the first steps to getting to where they, they want to get to. And what's the main trigger? Is it usually setting a goal for them or is it realising something about themselves? I think, I think it's realising just their current situation and that it's just not in their head. It is actually a, um, it's not an imagined thing when they start telling, you know, someone else outside of their 
that's not necessarily their loved one how they're feeling and they can they don't have to feel guilty about it they can feel um, really confident in that everything they're feeling is valid they don't have to feel guilty about it and there's just someone there sitting listening to them understanding where they're coming from and then uh you know, helping them build a plan ahead and uh, with some, you know, silent conviction together as a bit of a team, um, having that sense of community and love around it and uh, learning again what what they find joy in and um, what boxes they want to tick to find that joy again. It's and a bit deep, isn't it? Yeah, so, <laughs> and so how does um, obviously – my health issues, just being fatigued that went from, you know, a day or two or a week when I was younger, um, when we met and through that time to post 2012, when it became a month or two, and I would be very just depressed. I wouldn't want to do anything. I had no joy in anything. I wasn't motivated to walk the dogs or go for a surf or any of those things. And obviously I was a bit of a, I don't know, just, just nothingness at home. Um, so how did that affect you? And I assume that's probably a bit of a motivator for some people when they realise, oh, I haven't been the best person I could be for my family as well. So how did it affect you first of all? <laughs> that's very deep. I think I'm welling up now. Um, I think it was a bit of a shock to realise that the person that you originally, um, you know, you uh, we got married how many years ago now? <laughs> Is it seven years? It feels a lot longer yeah, seven. than seven. <laughs> um, isn't the person that you necessarily married and um, a lot of change had gone on, uh, but also appreciating the person uh, that you had become as well and understanding the reason why you're like that. Um, but yeah, it had a big, a big effect, not knowing if there was a light at the end of the tunnel, um, that quiet frustration of feeling like, uh, a lot of outside judgment and not necessarily a lot of support. Um, that was sometimes from you towards me. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. A lot of, a lot of frustration and, um, not understanding where you were coming from. I've never dealt with depression, um, and didn't didn't actually understand it at all. Um, a lot of non-patience for it. Sometimes you thought I was just—you just thought I was being a bit lazy sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot of tough. Oh, why up. didn't you get a coach, <laughs> or why don't you get someone to push you, or you need someone to train with? This is my—you asked me a question. Okay, I'm answering well, I'm just now, reminding buddy. you how you were <laughs> feeling towards me. <laughs> at yeah, times. I think now I can appre—I can have a real appreciation of uh, what what some yeah why someone is reacting the way they are. And, um, how to, some days you just don't take it on and you know that the person, if they're not reacting very well to you, um, or to things that you're saying, it's got nothing to actually do with you as in had nothing to do with me. It was what Pete was going on with Pete at the time and it will get better. Just knowing it, it will, it will, there'll, there'll be better days in the future. It can only ever get better. Yeah. And if I get worse when I'm like hit 80 and then I'm terrible, then you'll have already learned to deal with that. It's just me being old and my mind's going a bit and, <laughs> you know. I do often tell Pete to toughen up. So the year that Pete won the Ironman Port Macquarie, uh, was that Ironman Australia mm. title? He did go into the race with a pretty sore foot and, 
and we didn't. We just thought it was a, a, a bit of a sore foot, really. After the race, we went out um, partying. I was. Um, I like to have a bit of a, a dance, and I kept telling Pete all night, you know, up until midnight, toughen up. You'll be right. He just got to toughen up. He just won an Ironman by about, you but know, foot eight minutes. He's sore. pretty tough, but his foot was very, very sore. We got x-rays a couple of days later and it turned out he had a broken foot. Yeah, a stress, a stress <laughs> fracture a stretch, in a, a metatarsal. Yeah. It was quite painful. <laughs> and then I was in a boot for about six weeks. Yeah. And that hence leading into a, I don't know, maybe second that year in Kona. So, you know, big break with a bad foot. Actually, no, it, was, it wasn't second. I think it was earlier than that. It was, I think I got ninth that year. Um, eighth or ninth. I've had an eighth, a ninth, a second and a first. So... Shouldn't be too hard to remember um, what years, but I've got a terrible memory part of um, my health issues. But having said that, I might lose my mind when I'm 80. I really am confident now that everything that I'm learning is going to keep my mind sharp, you know, a lot longer until, well, until my, until I pass away, my mind's going to be sharper than it has been in my thirties. So, you know, that's kind of exciting that hopefully my, my mind gets sharper, not duller. And that's a big thing that, we're really, really passionate about uh, at Live Your Own Fit, and Pete and I definitely are, is helping people take a proactive approach to their health and their performance in the future. So even if you think, you know, you're feeling almost onset stage of dementia, Alzheimer's, then, you know, you do have control in that. You can turn back the clock and and we're really passionate about sharing our knowledge and, you know, the... Well, uh, we're sharing other people's knowledge and other people's knowledge from them. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we definitely will, can, will be sharing, you know, some, some of our podcast favorites and our favorite books as well at the end of each episode. And that's going to be a great resource for you as well, hopefully. So uh, one of our last questions before we wrap it up and we give you some tips and tricks on podcasts and some reading material. Pete, how has love, the mantra of love, which you're known pretty fondly for in the triathlon sporting world, how has love changed your life? Um, well, when I fell in love with you, that changed my life. <laughs> A lot of people just turned us off. Uh. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Uh. Um, it was, it was just something that just gave me clarity and confidence and cleared all my doubts away as a mantra in 2012. So I really had every, uh, you know, I had so many tricks in my bag going into that race. And one of them was just a mantra of love that I'd used in training to clear any doubts, any doubts from trolls, any doubts from my own mind that, you know, someone better might beat me or everybody else might be cheering for somebody else or if I'm going to be a bit slow or not have a great day or all of those sort of doubts that just saying the word love in training cleared all of those saying it on race day cleared everything and I'd had a music playlist in the you know over in Kona for a week that was all songs about love and you know things like that and they weren't like lovey-dovey slow moody songs it's like the Beatles and um, oh, Florence and the Machine, I think, and just those, those sort of cool songs, but with a theme. And, um, yeah, so 2012, yeah, that was a great timing for Mike to ask me on the finish line, you know, how I felt. And it's, uh, we'll, we'll get to that, um, 
speech one day on this podcast. We'll play that and we'll go that into that a little bit deeper. But that was um, really cool to go through. But as um, when Phil and I did a Q and A in uh, in Sydney a year ago, and you know I, we went through that video a little bit of of me winning and showed it to the crowd and and you know then afterwards we sort of just joked about you know the mantra of love and he said something just along the lines of well love won't help you win an iron man kind of thing <laughs> love won't love won't heal your fatigue and i just love his absolute you know clinical way that he looks at things and yeah he was absolutely right that love will not heal my fatigue and heal everything you you can't win six Ironmans on love. You know, you've got to have a serious base um, of health and performance there. And, uh, yeah, so I love the way that you just put it in place in, in, into <laughs> into the big picture. Yes, it's a small part and it really helped, but it, it's not the primary issue of, uh, of anything. But So, yeah, it means a lot to me and it means not as much <laughs> as... Um, it's not going to get me out of my hole when I'm depressed. <laughs> okay. So awesome. is that your last question? That's the last question before we wrap it up. Okay. Anything you want to add, Pete? Um, no, I think that will do for, uh, for me and my questions towards you. So, so we're going to share with you a uh, podcast or article or book that we've been reading uh, that we suggest maybe you can start reading or tune into. Mine is, at the moment, Ruby Wax. Some of you might have heard of her. She's a great author. She's uh, written a book. It's called How to Be Human, the manual. And she basically co-writes this book with a neuroscientist and a monk. It sounds a little bit bizarre because it is, um, but I'm truly loving it. It talks about evolution, human evolution, our feelings, mindfulness, um, a lot. So I think that's why I'm really, really enjoying it. It has a quirky take and it's sort of a bit of a piss take out you've of got, uh, humans. You've got a few corners turned over, I can see. Can you I open do. one page randomly on a <laughs> where you've got it turned over? And, and my sister-in-law, Jack, would, uh, something that would you've got there? my sister-in-law, Jack, would uh, shoot me right now. She knew I was turning pages over on books, but it's not your book, Jack. <laughs> Don't get angry at me. Uh, okay. Random so, quote. Why did you turn over that page? Page 41. Well, this is one that I've, that I've just turned over and I'll read out a little paragraph from it. Um, it's talking about internal voices. So Ruby says, um, Ruby is the author. She's not the neuroscientist or the monk. And she says, why don't you notice the nice voices? You're so right. I've never gone, wow, I'm so gorgeous, I could date myself. So to put it in perspective, Ruby's talking about the negative self-talk and positive self-talk. The neuroscientist then answers back, when you're feeling happy, you're not doing a lot of analysis about how you're feeling. You're just feeling. But negative thoughts are different. They signal to the brain that there is a problem and resources should be dedicated to fixing it. So they, they, they then go into, you know, their evolution and how mankind survived because uh, they had negative thoughts. <laughs> it is a really awesome book. I'm loving it. <laughs> Very, very timely since you're about to go off and see I Feel Pretty, the movie with Amy Schumer, all about self-talk <laughs> and self-confidence. I love her. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if you come back and finish the rest of that book. There's not much happening at night time when, when Pete and I go to bed at the moment because I'm just so en ensconced in this book. <laughs> <laughs> That's way too much information. 
Oh, goodness. <laughs> you want to leave us with something, Pete, on um, that awkward note? Yes, I did already mention before. Um, just search Phil Maffetone in podcasts and his best ones are on Endurance Planet. So go to Endurance Planet and then look for the, any of the ones with Phil Maffetone and you will get some great information there. And the two keys that I... They're the most obvious keys, but so that's why sometimes the most obvious things are, are missed sometimes. So the math method is um, you train at 180 minus your age is your heart rate that you aim for. That keeps you in your optimal sort of fat burning zone where you're not going into, you know, too glycolytic state of exercise and your muscles aren't burning too much sugar. So the key also is also don't fill up with a ton of sugar before you go and do that sort of exercise because, you know, a heap of insulin will pump out and you'll shut off the mechanisms to improve your fat burning while you're doing your math heart rate training. And the other thing is that builds better fat burning, fat metabolizing muscles in your body that are then doing that sort of a process the rest of the time when you're not exercising. And so that was a really key thing that I've, you know, basically recently learned is that if you are not getting better at your math heart rate, if you're not getting faster at your math heart rate, if you're not improving your metabolic systems within your muscles and your everywhere, then your health is not improving either. Your metabolic health's not improving. And so as fit as I was getting last year, um, training for Hawaii to, to go back and have a good crack there. My math pace never got quicker. So I was going, I was going further and I was kind of getting more comfortable and um, my hours in training were going really good. But I wasn't actually getting like faster in my running pace at the same heart rate. I got five to 10 seconds quicker. But having now chatted to Phil and, a, and another um, person who's learned a lot from him um, is that... I should have been getting sort of a minute quicker, you know, or at least, you know, 30 to 40 seconds quicker in my per kilometer pace if I'd really been healthy, if all my hormonal systems, if all my blood sugars and everything was doing what it should have been doing, uh, I would have been a healthier person and I would have gotten faster at my math pace. So the two key things are if your math pace isn't getting quicker, then that's a sure sign that there's a roadblock in your metabolic and health system that you need to delve into deeper. And don't go and eat a ton of sugar while you're doing uh, your math heart rate. And um, so they're the two key things. And I'm sure we're going to get tons of questions about that sort of a topic throughout this podcast. I look forward to answering some specific stuff about that um and uh, making it a bit clearer even than i just did so thanks <laughs> any, very much any questions just send them through to hello at live your own fit dot com or uh or facebook yep or facebook facebook's great too live your own fit facebook and we will get to all the other topics that people put on my facebook when i asked about it um, but this is just a quick get to know us. So thanks very much for listening and have a great day. Happy, healthy and fit. <laughs>